Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. Amen. When we look at some of the great leaders of God's people, they have something frequently in common. And that is that God reveals to them that they are approaching death. And I believe one of the reasons for that is to show us how they did not think about themselves. They did not grieve that they were ending their life, but rather they took that knowledge in order that they might serve God and serve his people by imparting truth to them one last time. And this is what we see with Yahushua, Joshua, the son of Nun. He has had revealed to him the intimacy of of death, that it's approaching, and he is not mourning his death, but he is encouraging the people in order that they might remain faithful to the instructions of God. So with that said, take out your Bible, And look with me to the book of Joshua and chapter 23. The book of Joshua and chapter 23. Now, these words are so wonderful. They are powerful. They are encouraging. And they're also insightful. In Joshua's speech, we see wisdom for our life the things that we should focus in on and what should be the foundations of our existence in this world let's begin joshua chapter 23 and verse 1 and it came about many days after the lord gave rest to israel from all their enemies all around And we're told that Yahushua, Joshua, that he was old and he came into days, meaning that he had lived a long time. Many days have have been part of his life. Now, two things are being said here. First of all, Yahushua is going to mention this and he's going to emphasize it, the faithfulness of God. One of the things that we need to remember always is God is always faithful. Remember it always that God is always faithful. God does what he says. And he speaks in his word. And we can take that to our heart. We can believe upon that. And when we do, we will never ever ever be disappointed god is faithful he is loyal to his word to his people so joshua is old he is coming to the end of his life and notice what happens look now to to verse two we've been told that god's faithfulness has given the people the children of israel rest from all their neighbors all about god has brought them into control of the promised land he's done it and we'll see how he's done it in a moment but first look at verse 2 and joshua called to all of israel now he is getting ready to depart this world and what does he do he calls to all of israel to his elders to its heads the heads of each tribe to its judges the judges of israel israel and to his officers and here we're talking about not military officers but rather we're talking it's the modern hebrew word for police officers those who kept order those who enforce 
the laws of God among the people. And he said unto them, same thing that we've learned, I have become old and I have come into days, meaning I am elderly and I'm coming to the end of my life. Joshua knows this. Furthermore, keep reading verse 3. Notice what he emphasizes. He says, And you have seen all which the Lord your God has done to all these nations before you. So it's been a testimony of God's faithfulness. He has promised, I am going to give you the land for an inheritance. Now, that seemed quite amazing. The children of Israel came. They did not have weapons like their opponents. They didn't have the numbers as their opponents had. They didn't control the high places like their opponents had. And the only way, and I want to say that again, the only way that they could have taken possession of the land is if God had done it for them. And that's exactly what he did. And we're going to see how he did that in a moment but notice the last part of verse 3 where it says for the lord your god and here's the important part for he has fault fought for you now literally this is a word that's related to gone to war god has fought he has gone to war in your behalf now understand something here when it says in your behalf literally it's lachem for you it's in order that the people might possess what god wants them to have and let's get this in a very personal way in a practical way what should i want well i should want what god wants me to have and when i want what god wants me to have I can be assured that God is going to move to deliver that in my life. And then what's important? Well, what's important is being a good steward of what God wants me to have. That I use it properly and effectively for his purposes. And we're going to see that if the children of Israel do not, if they're not faithful to the instructions of God, then they are going to suffer loss so a very simple principle if i am not faithful with god's possession his what he gives me then i will lose it it will be taken away from me now does that mean that god ends his relationship no god is forever faithful And there's going to be a remnant that is going to experience the faithfulness of God. Why? Because of who he is. And he's going to bring that remnant to trust in him, to believe in him. So notice what it says, again, the end of verse 3. For the Lord your God, he, and literally is, the one who fights for you, verse verse 4. Now, it's because God has fought for the children of Israel that this has been the outcome. Verse 4, Joshua is still speaking. He says, see, God is speaking. Joshua tells them, see what God has done. How God, and it's in the first person, how I have caused to fall, and the implication is to fall by lot for you, the nation's, that are remaining and they have fallen and you have received the inheritance for your tribes so god has given by lot he has caused to fall those nations in order that the children of israel these tribes might inherit their inheritance from the jordan and all the nations which i have cut off and the sea the great sea in the west meaning at the the setting of the sun so we're talking about the mediterranean god has gone to war god has fought for them in order that what he has promised them 
that they might receive as an inheritance and this inheritance speaks of the purposes of god and therefore we receive it so that we can do the purposes of god now this is controversial for many today why they want god to do their will they want god to go about what their purposes are for their life and fulfill that and the word that is so common today is dream another word destiny we need to stay away from that because what we find is it's truth when we talk about dreams more often than not when people hear that they think about oh my dream for my life when they hear destiny they're not thinking the will of god they're thinking their will and therefore when we are consumed and committed to what i want we're not going to be hearing from god it's only when i'm committed to what he wants then I'm going to have that discernment. I'm going to have that perspective, his perspective, and I'm going to have his provision in my life to carry out these things. Look now to to verse 5. And the Lord your God, he, and this is a word for, for pushing. He will push them from before you. It's a word to drive them away from before you and then and i want to be very careful with the language because we have the word horish now this is the same word it's in the noun form it's in the hifil for causing so god is going to cause you to inherit this is a big theological truth god caused the children of israel to inherit now that word inherit means to take possession of so look at it again we're in verse verse 5 where it says and the lord your god he will push them from before you and he will inherit or take possession of them from before you meaning he'll do that before you you'll see that you'll you'll take notice you'll witness that in order that you can take possession of their land just as the lord your god has spoken to you now i would underline that phrase just as the lord your god has spoken to you what are my expectations my expectations are that god is going to do exactly what he has said and when you base your expectations of god upon what he said upon his written word you are going to not be disappointed you are going to be able to position yourself where you can benefit from god's faithfulness what god says he will do therefore we can position ourselves where god wants us to be so that we can first participate with him and secondly benefit from his activity what he's up to so that we can utilize his provision in our life so that we can carry out his will and why do we want to do that because when we do his will we're bringing glory to him and that should be my utmost and your utmost desire to glorify god look now to to the next verse verse six now so many times and as i was going over this with with my wife everything i share we sit down together we discuss we go through the scripture and many times i want to know what is frequently is said in translations and when we look at this and it's not hard when we look at verse six it says va chazaktem the word chazak means strong this is in a verbal construction so it speaks about you being strong some bibles will say be courageous and such doesn't say that says you be strong now here's the question you should be asking yourself what makes me strong what is it that i should do in order that i receive power to be strong before god and before the 
enemy. What he's going to tell us. He says, and you be very strong. How am I strong? Notice what he says. To keep and to do all that is written in this book of the law of Moses. So you want strength in your life. Do all that is written in the law of Moses. Now, you will say, well, I'm not under the law. Do you know what that means? I hear that all the time and I ask people, what does that mean? Well, the law is no more relevant for my life. That is false. The word of God is always, always, always relevant. The word of God and the law of God, the commandments of God, and I'm speaking in this context, the law of Moses always has relevance for the people of God. Anyone teaches you differently, they are mistaken or they are a false teacher. We can all be mistaken and that doesn't make us a false teacher. But either they're mistaken or they are indeed a false teacher. Now, the law, notice what Paul says. He says in the book of Romans, the law is good, it is holy, and we see something. In the newness of the Spirit, we fulfill the righteousness of the law. Not according to the letter, but according to the Spirit, meaning the intent and Spirit represents order according to the order that is what that law was supposed to bring about so look carefully at this verse verse six once more and you be strong very strong is what it says to keep and to do to keep means to place value upon to guard it as something precious and important so so keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of moses that 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 it's not and it's speaking here that you do not turn from it either to the right or to the left meaning be accurate with the word of god now this was something that they were telling joshua was telling and think about this he's approaching the end of his life and he wants to share he wants to share what is going to benefit the people that's what he wants his legacy to be to be a godly influence in the people of god and i would say to you that everyone who stands behind this book and shares it we have the same desire we want our heritage what we are known for is that we through the word of god we were a good influence in the life of others what does that mean that we impacted others to obey god to receive his truth first and foremost that gospel to apply his word to their life that they might be an instrument that brings glory to god that's the heritage of those who are called to share god's word that's what it's about and this is what joshua saying don't turn away from it either to the right or to the left verse 7 that you do not come into these nations that are remaining that with them you don't want to come into the nations and be with them that in the name of their gods do not make mention of do not remember and speak of the name of their gods nor it says do not swear take an oath nor serve them and do not bow down to them so what's the the implication here well you are either going to be strong in the commandments of god or you are going to turn aside and you are going to begin to assimilate that word hitbolelut you are going to assimilate and be like the nations not like the people of god not that am sigula that peculiar people that treasured people but you are going to reflect the character of the nations and you are going to begin to 
do what? Well, notice what it says. You are going to take an oath, meaning they are going to be the basis of how you think. That's what an oath is. And secondly, that you're going to serve them and bow down to them. Now, if that's the case, what's going to happen? Disaster. And we're going to see something very unique before we conclude this this speech of Yahushua tonight. Look now to verse 8. It begins with the Hebrew phrase, ki im. That means rather. Instead of doing what we saw in the previous verse, he says, rather, in the Lord your God, cling. And this is the same word, the root, where we get glue, devik, from today in modern Hebrew. So you cling, you stick with God. If you're not sticking with God, you are going to be moving slowly. The enemy is going to move you into the character of the nations, those who have no covenantal relationship with God. And you are going to begin to turn away from truth. You are going to be embracing foreign gods, false gods. You are going to be bowing down to them. That's what he's saying here. So what should we do? Well, if you want to be strong, strong in the Lord, it says, in the Lord your God, cling to, just as you have done unto this day. Now, what does this tell us? The end of verse 8 tells us that under Yahshua's leadership, these people have been faithful. Now, Yahshua, he has a few different names in the Word of God. Yehoshua, Joshua, is also called Hosea, very similar to Hosea in English. And he's also, for example, in the book of Nehemiah, he's called Yeshua. So he has three names, Yehoshua, Hosea, and Yeshua. And what we see here is this, in the same way that Joshua, the son of Nun, had a positive influence on the people during his lifetime so too will yeshua the son of david yeshua from nazareth the son of god he too will have a positive influence upon those that submit to his leadership look at verse verse 9 and the lord he inherited before you great and strong nations so god brought it about before you you witness that is what he's saying you witness how god took possession of these these strong and large nations and that before you did not stand anyone until this day meaning no one was able to successfully sustain no one was able to successfully stand against the people of god under the leadership of joshua they had victory what can we say about this we through yeshua hamashiach jesus christ we too will have victory just in the same way that joshua the son of noon was an influence among the people to bring victory so too will our savior the only savior yeshua the very son of god he too will cause us to be victorious this is what he's saying now look at verse 10. and one man from you now notice why we'll be victorious what is god causing verse 10 is an example of that one man from among you will pursue a thousand for the lord your god he is the one who fights for you now we already saw that where if you go back in the verse three twice we're told that the lord our god he will fight for you again this is something that we need to take a hold of 
When we find ourselves in a difficult circumstance where the enemy is there and that enemy is large and strong, just what we saw in verse verse 9. We don't need to fear the enemy. We don't need to be worried. We don't need to panic. What do we know? We have the one who fights in our behalf and we have him through a covenantal relationship where he is the lord of lords and the king of kings and all i need to do and all you need to do is submit to him to listen to his instructions and implement his commands into your life again now i realize i say this frequently but it is so important the wisest thing that you could do is to submit to god let me say it a different way the wisest thing that you can do is obey the word of god and i promise you this no one ever and no one will ever regret obeying god but i promise you this everyone who does not obey god they will regret it and those who reject the gospel they will regret it for eternity because they are going to eternally be separated from him remember our call to worship messiah says i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except by me if you reject his gospel you have no hope of being reconciled to god you have no hope of being justified you have no hope of entering into the kingdom look now to to verse 10 again where it says for the lord your god he is the one who fights for you just as he spoke to you now what we see is this word for speaking is related to the same word which means just that word over and over and over when we look at this scripture there's an emphasis on god's word his written word the law of moses and his spoken word god's instructions and when we and and this is another important principle and application and it's this when you know the word of god when you are in it frequently what does that mean daily and not just one time for five minutes in the morning or a few minutes before you go to bed when you are passionate about your commitment to know this book what happens what's the greatest benefit well i can tell you how god works in my life and i don't believe it's any different than he will work in your life as i live as i find myself in circumstances god leads me through bringing scripture into my mind teaching me about this situation through his word he will bring to memory certain passages that gives me insight that gives me his perspective in how to have discernment what does that mean how to make good decisions how to see things from his point of view that's why it's so critical do you hear that that is why it's so critical to be in his word because the more you're in his word the more he will direct your ways the more that you will have his perspective and it's simply when you have his perspective you can see things for what they are and you don't have to fear you don't have to get upset you don't have to panic you don't have to rely upon yourself you know god you're going to move you're going to do something look with me to verse verse 11 he says here and your souls you guard now in essence what he's teaching us in this whole passage is how to guard our souls meaning this how to live a life whereby the very essence of you is submissive to god so that's what he means here when he says verse 11 and you shall guard very much me'od is that word you shall guard you shall keep very much your souls how do i do that well it tells us to love the lord 
the Lord your God. Now, what comes into my mind? See, when, when I hear the phrase, to love the Lord your God, immediately what I hear in my mind is Yeshua saying, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. That's how the Word of God works. That's how the anointing of the Holy Spirit functions in a person's life. He brings to remembrance His Word. And He gives you His Word that is fitting for that moment, that situation. So so do not ignore the importance of studying His Word daily, repeatedly throughout the day says to love the lord your god verse verse 12. but and here's the problem see as i'm speaking there are some people that are taking this to heart taking what to heart my words no these words they are taking the words of yehoshua joshua the son of noon to heart and other people as soon as they stop listening to this broadcast what's going to happen they're going to forget it they're going to go back to their own ways and this is what joshua is saying now in my estimation we see that 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 joshua is going to speak prophetically towards the end of this passage why do i say that look carefully at at verse 12 but if you utterly turn and you cling to the remaining of these nations that that exist among you so he says if you don't cling to god through his word through his instructions his commandments if you're not doing that here's what's going to happen you are going to cleave to something and you will cleave to these nations that remain among you and he says what's going to happen well you are going to uh uh be be taking them among you for wives and husbands and you will come into them and them into you what's it talking about a unholy mixture between those who were called to live out their redemption and those that were unredeemed and therefore instruments of the enemy and what's going to happen that great enemy satan is going to be very pleased because he's going to be able to infiltrate the people of god and dilute them instead of being a nation that is pleasing and committed they are going to become a nation of rebels a nation of disobedient ones so he says what's going to happen is that you are going to marry among them and you will come into them and they into you verse 13. now when that happens god's going to be faithful what's he going to do well look at what it says in verse 13. and you shall know that the lord will your god will no longer take possession of these nations before you so he's not going to rule over them destroy them move them out weaken them god's not going to act against them they're going to be left alone there's going to be no godly influence against them before the people see what did we learn twice twice end of verse 3 and also in the middle of verse 10 for the lord your god he is the one who fights for you and that that is emphatic because we see this phrase ha nilcham ha is the word the the one who fights for you well when you uh mixed yourself with them the enemy god's not going to fight anymore for you the the enemy's not going to be possessed and and defeated by god what's going to happen well keep reading he says here middle of verse 13 and they will be unto you for a snare and a 
trap. Now, the word pach means a snare or a trap. But the next word, mokesh, in modern Hebrew, this is a word for a landmine. What it means is this. You are going. You don't see things from God's perspective. You don't see the, the danger. And you step in the rest. You know. Devastation. Destruction. You are going to walk in the wrong place. And you are going to be destroyed. That's what he's saying here. When they will become a, a mokesh, a landmine for you and a scourge in your side this is a word for we know the term being flogged and it's a painful thing and that's what it says this is going to be a painful thing in your side and for thorns in your eyes now this is what you need to see when you are disobeying god's word when we are not being a distinct a peculiar people let me tell you what the battle is right now we are seeing more and more and more compromise not too many uh months ago i was speaking in a place and they were really nice people we felt very welcomed and and the problem was this they emphasize unity over truth and once that happens here comes the enemy and they compromise and they compromise and that's what's going on among believers today in denomination after denomination what this passage is about is this do not compromise the truth of god let me say it another way do not compromise his commands they are relevant they are means of revelation they are truth they are the anchors for our faith did you hear that the commandments what commandments well what are we talking about the law of moses they are anchors for our faith they teach us how our faith should function in this world now i realize that's not popular people don't want to hear that but here again we are not pleasers of men we are not trying to to influence people to applaud to get excited over the the false promises and the false revelation and prophecies that that have their source in the enemy and not in the spirit of god we're not about that and therefore we're not going to compromise we need to understand what the word of god says and his commandments are that which gives us an anchor for our faith what do i mean by that it gives us clarity to know how the spirit moves in our life so it guides us is what i'm saying his word all of his word all of his commandments those of the law of moses those that we see elsewhere in the tanakh the hebrew bible the old testament and what we see of course in the new testament all of this is god's revelation for our life and when we when we turn away from that it is like what we're doing you may not know this but when you forsake the instructions of god you know how you say that when you forsake the torah of the lord that word for instruction is the word torah you say well it's law well it's oftentimes translated as law but the word torah comes from the word for instruction horaot are instructions so when we say no to god's instructions his commands his law if you prefer what is he saying it is like us giving an ice pick and to our enemy saying stab me in the eye stab me in the side that's what you're doing that is the directness of the word of god in this passage so why would you want to be so foolish to equip the enemy to bring pain into your life and it's not by by accident it says thorns in your eyes because when when there's thorns in your eyes you're not able to see well you're not going to have that perspective and when you are suffering stabs that scourge in your side you're not going to be able to have that that foundation of your life
You're not going to, to move where you want to move. I'll tell you, you're going to be going down. And this is what it's saying in this passage. And what's going to be the result? Just keep reading. It's not interpretation. It's just reading where it says, until you will perish from upon the land, this good land. Now, this good land, the land of Israel, it's synonymous with the will of God. You are not going to remain in his will if you forsake what his instructions are. Which, and this good land, is what the Lord, your God, has given to you. He's given it for you. That's literally what it says. Lachem. For you. For your well-being. For you to live out your faith. To demonstrate that you belong to him. Verse verse 14. Joshua is speaking and he says, And behold, I am going today the way of all the earth. What does that mean? Death. What when we look in this world, we see death all the time. Death. People in this world die. If I don't die today, I'll die tomorrow. If not tomorrow, next week. If not next week, next month. But I am going to die. Now, people always say, but what about, excuse me, the rapture? That's true. But that's the exception to the norm. The norm is you are going to die. And to be absent from this body means that you are going to go before the judgment seat of God. What is he going to see? Is he going to look upon you because of your faith and see the righteousness of his son and welcome you into the kingdom? Or is he going to see your sin? Having no redemption, not receiving grace, go there in your own disobedience, your own selfishness, in the own desires of your life. That's what you pursued. I don't want to go to God in that way. I want him to look upon me, having my sins placed upon Messiah and having his righteousness imputed to me that he sees the very righteousness of his son. That's how I'm going before God. And anyone can do that. It just requires receiving the gospel sincerely and faithfully. And he takes all the responsibility upon himself to ensure that we will be welcomed into his kingdom. That's why he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He does it all. And all we do is praise him for being our savior. Praise him for being the one who will bring glory. That new kingdom body is a body of glory. Read what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. Well, we need to press on verse verse 14 once more. He says, Behold, I'm going today the way of all the earth, and you shall know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing has fallen from the good things which the Lord your God has spoken concerning you. Everything has come unto you and has not fallen from you one thing. What is this speaking about? God is faithful. Now, what I would do when I look at that verse, verse 14, I would write the faithfulness of God. God is faithful. To what? All the good things that he said not one thing was left undone not one thing fell now oftentimes what happens i forget this this thing was undone sometimes the details uh, escape me we fall short god never does god's always perfectly 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 faithful what god says he will do and he'll do all of it and exactly as he says look now to verse 15 and it shall come about just as has come upon you all the good word which the lord has spoken unto you the lord your god has spoken unto you thus the lord will bring upon you every now hear this now again i believe it's the new american standard that says warnings 
Now, here's the problem. When we look at this, and let's just read it first in Hebrew. It's very simple Hebrew. Look, if you would, to the middle of verse 15, where it says, Kol hadavar hara. Kol is all. Hadavar, the word or the thing. And hara, the evil. Now, the reason why, in my opinion, that many Bibles mistranslates this, because they don't understand what evil is. See, God is faithful. He is going to bring his goodness, but if we are not in a position based upon faith and submissiveness and obedience to his good word, if we're not responsive to his good word, then what's going to happen? Instead of receiving his will for our life, those good things, we're going to receive that which is not his will. And what's that? Hadavar hara, that evil. So we need to have biblical terminology, understand them. His will is good. That which is not his will is evil. And God wants to bless you. But if you're not blessable, what happens? He will curse you. And what we see here very clearly is Joshua is prophesying. And he's saying, you know, God was faithful. Not one thing, not one word fell between the cracks. He kept it all. But if you do this and you're not faithful and you turn aside, then instead of receiving his blessing, that's what his will wants. You won't receive his blessing. You'll receive that which is evil, that which is not God's desire for you, not your will for you. And that's going to be the curse, that which is evil. So he says, Ken yavi Hashem alechem et ko hadavar hara. Thus, or the word ken, yes, the Lord will bring upon you every evil thing unto, notice what it says, hashmido, that he will destroy. That's the word, lashmid, to destroy. See, it's not God's will, it's not good for him to destroy his people. But if his people depart, turn aside, ignore his instructions, join in with the nations, they will be treated as the nations. And he will bring destruction upon them. That's what he's saying in the middle of verse 15. Unto his destruction of you from upon the good land, this good land. Notice that the land is foundational in God's will. This good land which the Lord your God has given to you and also for you. Verse 16, our last verse. Now, it says here, and this is the prophetic portion, this is what Joshua knows. He says, when you pass. Now, that word for passing is a word of transgressing. The word for transgression is when we pass over we go beyond the borders that god has set and he says when you transgress the covenant of the lord your god which he has commanded you and you go literally and you will go and you will serve other gods and you will bow down to them now let me ask a question did israel do that yes they did the northern tribes they did it and the southern tribes they did it and what did it bring about exile the assyrian exile for the northern kingdom and then 100 years or so after the exile of judah into babylon so the assyrian and the babylonian exile this is what he means here he says when you transgress the the covenant of the lord your god which he has commanded you and that you will go that's what it literally says you will go and you will serve other gods and you will bow down to them and what happens well he's prophesying and he says and the hot anger of the lord will be among you he is going to place his judgment his wrath upon you and you will perish keep reading 
mehera, and you will perish quickly from upon this good land which he has given to you. Now we see something over and over and over. He's spoken of this good land, this good land that he has given. He gave it freely because this is his nature. It's all tied up with his will. But when you forsake his will, he moves you out of where God wants you to be. And you're going to experience destruction. Now, let me close with this. What we see here in a very clear way is that the children of Israel are either going to worship God, the God of Israel, or they're going to fall into idolatry and worship false gods. What do we know? We are either going to accept messiah or we're going to accept the antichrist if you are alive in the last days that's exactly what it's going to be you are going to be challenged to worship one or the other either messiah yeshua the son of god or the antichrist this is the decision that everyone's going to have to make if they're alive in the last days here's the truth if you accept messiah now you will be faithful then did you hear that if you truly sincerely accept messiah now you will be faithful then how do i know that because when you accept messiah now you become a new creation in christ and it's that new creation that is going to cause you now can we have momentary lapses in faithfulness yes we do all the time but i can speak for myself and many others Yes, at times we fail God, but we get up and we go back. It is our nature to want to be renewed to God. Yes, we feel bad. Yes, we repent. Yes, we are grieved. We seek forgiveness. We seek his mercy in order that we can get back into that relationship. That's what a true believer does. A false believer, when persecution comes, they say, oh, this is not what I signed up for. This is not what I thought that that this uh, uh, Messiah was all about. I thought he was just going to help me with my problems and help me get what I want out of this world. I wasn't able to do it myself, so I'm gonna turn to him to get what I want. That is not the faith of, of the new covenant. True faith is all about behaving according to what he wants from you. So let me ask you, is that the type of faith that you have? Is that the gospel that you've received, a gospel of eternal redemption so that you can walk humbly and obediently in God's will? That's the faith that this book speaks of. Well, I'll close with that. Until next week, shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel.